You are listening to a message from Mosaic Knox. For more information about our church, visit mosaicknox.org. Just a quick note about the audio around minute 10. It starts to get a little wonky and unfortunately lasts that way for the rest of the recording. We hope you can still hear it and enjoy listening. Great. Hello. Um, My name is Sarah Grace and Wesley is my husband. So if you're new here, that's who I am. And also if you're new here, uh, you came on an interesting Sunday. So (laughs) I'm sorry that you're having to listen to budget stuff (laughs) in Q&A. It's not normally like this, but it's still fun. So we're really happy that you're here. So Wesley has been preaching about fasting this semester as our church starts thinking through What does it look like for us to fast on a regular basis? What does the Bible say about fasting? How do we do this thoughtfully? Um, So that's our series for the spring. But whenever fasting comes up, um, we know that the earth is broken. And so we know that no matter how we approach it, there is brokenness that we will encounter as we think through what fasting looks like. So we want to keep in mind and want to have this conversation to discuss potential pitfalls or just how do we do this in a healthy way um, because fasting includes body image. Um, So before we start, I do want to just encourage you all that Jesus has already conquered our sin. So although we may struggle as we engage in fasting and think through what that looks like, we can rest in the knowledge that he is not ashamed of us and he wants freedom for us. And often the things that may cause us the most acute pain can also be the very things that God intends to show us his grace and redemption um, in those places most profoundly. And this is Laura Wolf. And we've invited Laurie here today because we just want to be sensitive to the unique pain that may come to mind for some of us when we think about fasting. Neither Wesley nor I are trained mental health experts. So we really believe that this conversation is best held in the hands of Laura, who has experience in it. And also, that being said, um, Wesley is one pastor I am one pastor's wife and Laura is one therapist. So our opinions do not, and anything we say, it doesn't, Wesley doesn't speak for all pastors. Laura doesn't speak for all therapists, nor does she want to. <laughs> um, so we're, we're not going to have this conversation perfectly either. So please just know that. So this is Laura. Uh, Laura, can you give us a brief history of who you are and your experience around this topic? Sure. I'm really happy to be here, but I did start laughing when he started talking about the budget. I'm like, come on, guys, money and food related issues, like really, really on the same Sunday. Um, But it really does just speak to how important both of those things are and figuring out how to think about them through God's eyes and his heart. Um, But I am Lara Wolf. Um, I... Uh, I work at Fellowship Main Campus, so I think even kind of that explanation helps a little bit of um, just why I'm here and why, you know, how I made it this far. Um, I don't know north, what what direction is it? Um, I love being out here. Um, and so I have a master's, we'll see, let's back up a little bit. 
why I care about this so much is because it's <clears throat> very personal to me. <clears throat> and when I was, you know, in high school, the body image and food and all that sort of stuff was a major stronghold. Um, and I would probably go so far as to say that I did have an eating disorder. Um, never treated it in the proper way, um, but really the, I would say that's good because I, I really leaned into the church and leaned into community and that that just changed my life forever. Um, and so it was always in the back of my head, like, oh, I want to do something with this. And so I was a nutrition major thinking I will attack it and I will learn about food. And so I learned a lot about food. But senior year, I was like, but this is not helpful. Like, this is not the issue necessarily. It is the issue because it's it's pervasive. It's every day. It's something that we have a relationship with. But what I found when I got into conversations with people was their heart and their value. And so I was like, you know, I think I'm in the wrong field if I really want to help people with this. And so then I got my master's in, in mental health counseling and um, I started working at Fellowship and they were just kind of building and, and seeing what a counseling thing would be like in the, within the church. And so I got to do my internship there, um, worked with high school students. So, you know, that's probably like, a, that's a field for this issue. And so um, did that for a couple of years, uh, moved to Chattanooga, still did, did some counseling stuff, moved back. And I've been back for about a year um, doing it again with Fellowship. Caveat, and I, I so appreciate you saying, you know, I am one person, but on top of that, um, I am don't necessarily counsel from a very clinical or mental health perspective on um, the way that we do it. Um, is, is more, you know, we, we lean into the spiritual direction and the piece of just bringing in um, just the Lord, you know, and, and working with people in more uh, intentional and very specific ways um, than just going to a coffee shop. But it's, you know, it's not mental health. It's not a psychological treatment. Um, and so this is, this is probably going to sound way less clinical, and I hope that it does. Um, but just a, just a side note that um, about, I guess, professionally kind of where I fall. So... Yeah. I like to call myself a biblical life counselor. Mm -hmm. um, so that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So we're going to start zoomed way out. Mm -hmm. Why does how I view my body matter in the story of God? Yeah. Um, so I love this question, you know, because it, it's weird because we give so much thought, but also so little thought to our body. You know, it's we want to like pretend like it's not a thing, but it really is so part of how and why God created us because we are created in his image. Um, so soul, mind, body are created in God's image. And yeah, it's a temporary home, but it still affects so much of the way that we think and feel and act. Um, and so from what we eat to, to what we do, it changes our emotions. It changes our mindset. It changes even, you know, how we relate to others. And so even though, um, we want to, sometimes we, we, we do either we promote it too high or we pretend like it's not a big deal. And, and so why it matters is because God's like, I want you to understand what I think about it and what I have in it and for you, um, so that you can live like this abundant life that I've really called you to. Mm -hmm. Um, Ephesians two ten uh, talks about how we are created in advance as his workmanship. One, one uh, translation is workmanship. One is masterpiece and there's a bunch of different ways. And so I think about that. I think like workmanship is like this chair, you know, there's a purpose for this to sit on it. But then there's the masterpiece where it's like, man, it's a beautiful thing, you know? And so when the combination of that and thinking that God has, God has something in this. Um, and so it's important to him. I want it to be important to me, but the right way. Um, yeah. So. That's super helpful. <clears throat> so, um, could you, so that we're clear on just the different pieces of what we're talking mm -hmm. about, 
from a clinical definition, can you define what's considered an eating disorder? And then separately from that though, what percentage of people struggle with body image? Yeah. So eating disorders are an interesting thing because there's kind of like a this this ditch and that ditch that it's all kind of under the same diagnostic tool in the in the therapist manual. Um, and so and when you think about eating disorders, you probably mostly think about anorexia and bulimia. Um, anorexia, the definition is severe and persistent disturbance of eating typically associated with distressing emotions or thoughts. I said that that's just anorexia, but also that's really all of them. You know, I think the severe and persistent disturbance of eating, um, and I, it's so important to remember that this is also combined with emotions and thoughts, just painful thoughts, hard thoughts, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, so you have several different categories. You have anorexia, binging. You, there's a there's a overeating binge um, without the purge, um, and then. Recently, they came out with a new, maybe not so recent, <laughs> maybe five years ago, they came out with the, uh, the fifth manual with a term just called disordered eating. Um, and so that really encapsulates almost like, you know, anything, again, that's more persistent, more pervasive that is causing someone to just not function as well as they should throughout the day. And so um, there can be a number of different ways that that presents itself. Yeah. Oh, and the second question. Most common age is people 12 to 35. Um, but the statistic that I didn't know before I really did this was that one in 20 people will experience this at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of people when you think about it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was shocking to me to think about. Yeah, I definitely think that it's very common. Mm -hmm. So again, we're looking at this from, especially from a perspective of our bodies being good and mm -hmm. our bodies being designed and made by God. What does an unhealthy relationship with food actually look like? How can that mm -hmm. look? Yes, like I said, it can be so many different ways, you know, and I think um, the, way I'm, the way I think about it a lot um, is kind of what's underneath just in your mind and your heart. And, and there's kind of this cycle we can get into. Um, and it starts, I think most of the time with, I feel bad about the way I look, or I feel bad about that. I just ate that. I mean, how many people have like eaten something like, Oh, I ate a pizza and fried ranch. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, that was bad. I shouldn't have done that. You know, but it's like, well, why is it bad? You know, it's like what, like where we, our culture has kind of created this like good, bad. Does that cost you to eat that? Like, Oh, if I eat that now, I can't eat that later. Like, you know, like we have this sense of feeling associated with how we eat, no matter, maybe we have seasons where we don't, but I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. But it's like, <laughs> you know, there's this constant kind of like rhetoric. that's like, yeah. oh, I'll be good and I won't eat that piece of cake. I'm like, why is it good that you didn't eat the cake? Like maybe mm -hmm. it is good because you need that self-control and that discipline, but maybe there's freedom in it and, mm -hmm. you know, just eat the cake. You know, so there's kind of this, this constant, is it good, is it bad? Mm -hmm. And so if we're in that, like something about being bad, so then we it's like, okay, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to control it. And I'm going to fit. I'm going to figure it out. So mm -hmm. we get into that. We do better and whatever, but then what happens? We fail. I mean, mm -hmm. we're going to, we're humans, you know, we can't work out five to six times a week, you know, unless some people do. And that's great. <laughs> You know, we always have kale for lunch. And, you know, so it's just like we, we mess up. And then we feel shame. We feel mm -hmm. bad. We feel, you know, excited. We feel the blank. So then we either act out. I don't know if that's not the right word. Well, we just give up, you know. So mm -hmm. we just start. I'm like, well, that whole bag of chips looks nice. <laughs> or we're like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to even, mm -hmm. I'm going to 
like really zone in and do better. I'm going to make this work. And so um, it's interesting, even in that, you can see this is kind of where the anorexia restrictive eating comes in. You know, it's mm-hmm. like some, someone who's, who's pretty good at self-discipline and pretty good at self-control mm-hmm. um, in almost the wrong way. You know, even I think I was, so that y'all's podcast was great, by the way, on this. I was like, <laughs> man, I, I don't even need to come. Like, I already talked about it. But just the word, I think you guys said something about restriction, to have to restrict food. Like, to me, it was like, that's easy. Like, to me, it was mm-hmm. like, you know, it was like, well, that that word itself kind of was like, well, I can, I mean, I can make that happen if I need to. But then mm-hmm. there's this other kind of the shame leads us to just forget, you know, and find mm-hmm. relief in whatever it is. And so then you wake up the next day and you're like, well, I feel bad again. You know, I feel bad about my body. I feel bad about what I ate last night. So here you are kind of in this cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me is kind of like, it can look like a lot of things. It can look like, you know, binge purge, which can be eat a ton. Oh, I'll overexercise to make up for that. It can mm-hmm. be, I don't care at all. I'm just going to go you know, eat and not think about it because it makes you feel better, um, kind of comforting ourselves mm-hmm. through what we're eating. Um, it can be excessive exercise. It can be just a general displeasure and consistent feeling of like, I'm, like I don't like the way I look. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to look at the mirror. I don't want to deal mm-hmm. with it. Um, so it can, it can be a lot of different things externally, but I think that can the cycle mm-hmm. can all relate to in some way, but, but for some of us, it can, it can grit and take hold and, have too much weight. Oh my gosh, not plant words. Yeah, <laughs> too much power. I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that's very helpful. Um, so, what hope to does the Bible have to offer to people who may struggle with their relationship with food? Yeah, I love what you said at the beginning. Was that ultimately God wants freedom and victory for all of us. And so like, mm-hmm. I want to start there because that was literally, that was like one of the first things when I was wrestling with this um, as an 18 year old, I, read, I was reading a book and it was like, God wants this, to, this wants, he wants freedom. Like he wants you to have victory. And I was like, thank you. Cause it felt so like I had, no, it felt so much like I had no power. Um, mm-hmm. That it was something that was happening to me and that I was like, I'm not doing it. Like this, this is controlling me. But almost when she, when I was reading that book, I was like, but wait, I have a choice because I have God. Like I mm-hmm. have this power that's bigger than me. And so he ultimately wants victory. Um, so that's hope in itself, you know, mm-hmm. um, to whatever degree you feel like there's a, there's a struggle. Um, he wants there to be um, peace. And so that, yeah. that in itself is, is super encouraging. Um, and, and on top of that, he, you know, he, again, has a plan for our bodies and our frames. And I think about Psalm 139, we're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made and, and our frames were not hidden from him. So mm-hmm. our frame, like how you came out, um, male, female, black, white, yellow, big bone, small bone, short, tall, all of that was with purpose and all of mm-hmm. that was with um, his glory in mind. And so there's a lot of hope because he cares um, mm-hmm. about it. Um, and in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, I'm just going to read it a little bit just to... Again, Shiham, I guess, important is in God's eyes. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Um, and, and so this was instrumental for me, um, kind of back, it is still is instrumental, just thinking that um, he, he wants it to become more perfect. The way that we think about it, the way that we treat it, um, the way that we honor it is glorifying to him. Um, and so it's part of kind of like a sense of a triangle almost of like, we have our minds and our, and our personalities and, and that being kind of like our spirit that he's given us. 
And then we have our bodies, again, important to him. But our soul is where the Holy Spirit lies. And that, when that's on top, then these things fall under under it. And so they can all be good and used for his glory. What happens, I think, when we let either our craving for food, our desire for food, or our craving to control our, the way our body looks, is the body kind of becomes on top. It gets on mm. the um, and so we can't just pretend like it's not there. And so it's more about kind of bringing it back under submission to mm. to God. And that um, takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of self-awareness um, because mm. I do believe there's so much um, and the, like emotions and reasons that we do what we do that mm-hmm. we, we don't spend time sorting it out, <laughs> sorting yeah. out the why. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's just like kind of a framework for how I think about it. And, and again, back to that cycle I was sharing with you is I think there's a way because we have Christ that there's a there's kind of a wedge we can put in that cycle um, because when we fail and when we feel the shame or we sense the insecurities uh-huh. um, we have something bigger than ourselves that mm. reminds us and can tell us that hey I see your shame I feel that but I've taken it you know this is not this is not define you anymore um, or if it's insecurity about the way we look um, he's like man I made you and I created you and your body's not your own. It's mm-hmm. for my glory, not not yours. And so there's so many different ways of, I think, speaking to the pattern and finding kind of where where does God fit in here? How does He stop that wheel from spinning and spinning and spinning? And just say, you know what, I've I've given you an option that freedom from this. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really helpful. Um, so as we think about when we're going to do our Ash Wednesday service, and then practice and in some way fasting and we know that God's vision for our bodies is good, but we know our perception of our bodies can be broken. So do you have, you know, a mantra or something that we can, you know, the day that practically speaking, we wake up and we know that we're going to fast this day. What can we keep in the forefront of our mind to prepare us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think speaking specifically to maybe someone who's struggled with body image or restrictive eating, um, be, prepared you know and in a lot of ways like satan is looking for a way to enter in and he's looking for times when we are weak and times um and i call it some, sometimes i call it my default mode you know i'm like i know i can sense my default mode coming on um and i've tried to prepare you know i've prepared my mind and my heart with scripture and with truth and with people um accountability mm-hmm. um so just if this is a struggle because i know when fasting gets brought up in my mind and heart all of a sudden it's a little bit like fear of like, if I let myself do that, am I just going to kind of jump back on the bandwagon right. and be like, huh, I went a whole day without eating again. You know, is it going to be like a weird, oh, I did I did that, you know, again, I couldn't control. Um, and so if, if if I'm speaking to you, if you've had that, that I don't know, if you get it, <laughs> um, be prepared, you know, don't run from it necessarily, but know that things are different when happens. you have Christ and you can walk into something like that um, without fear. However, have a plan, you know, have mm-hmm. a friend that knows and say, hey, this is the day that I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Will you join me in it? And whenever I'm thinking it and if there are thoughts that have you thought before, you know, and you're like, oh, I've really done a good job of not letting that thought come in. And mm-hmm. now it's kind of in the forefront. I can't mm-hmm. fight it because I'm trying to fast and be obedient. Um, have somebody that's ready to talk to you. Um, and we kind of will get into a few verses that I think are helpful, too. But mm-hmm. um, ultimately, be prepared if on the flip side of things, if fasting, and you guys did a great job of getting your podcast, kind of opens up this like, whoa, I, I'm like food. I didn't realize how much I wanted it or needed it. Mm-hmm. Or like, 
like couldn't wait to have it, you know, kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. and, and sensing that um, it was feeling something that it shouldn't have filled. Um, mm. Just being prepared to to recognize, like, man, God really is the one who meets all of our desires. Each one of these things kind of is born out of a desire. Desire mm-hmm. to be loved, desire to be seen as good, um, desire to be, you know, comforted. On the flip side, food can be really comforting, and it's really great. Um, <laughs> however, if that becomes bigger, you know, then yeah. discipline and control in the way that we know God wants to honor our bodies, um, then it becomes an idol too. So it's just coming back to that sense of what am I longing for, you know, in these days of fasting when I'm craving that food and I'm not getting it, you know, is it... Um, man, today was a really hard day at work and I just couldn't wait to get home and eat. And then I learned I couldn't eat, you know, so there's that <laughs> sense of like, you know, comfort well enough in you or I don't let out this frustration by having chips and I can't, you know, mm-hmm. practice what it looks like to just, hey, God, this fresh, this is, I'm frustrated. Can you meet me here in this, in mm-hmm. this emotion or this desire to be seen or loved? And he truly satisfies. And um, I think about the feeding of the 5,000 in both places. He, the end is just they ate and they were satisfied. Mm-hmm. And that has always been such a sweet picture to me um, that whether eating or not eating, Jesus is the one who satisfies our soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of think, thinking through that in either category, maybe um, what might come up. I love that. Um, I know you have a few verses that we can use or tack up or, you know, yeah. read that morning. Yeah. Can you maybe even say the actual first numbers a few times in case anyone wants to write them down. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah what so are those? This is, yeah, these, it's so, it's so neat again, because you see when you start to like do, I don't know, I'm not I'm an expert, but when I started to pay attention because I care so much about it, the body and like it, it's words just popped up everywhere, you know, and, and even in different ways of thinking about it and the categories for it um, really worth giving to me. Um, and so, um, the first one that comes to mind is, you know, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of probably the most common one. First uh, Corinthians 6, I believe it's 1920. I forgot to type that in. But <laughs> it is a temple, you know, for the Holy Spirit. And so this is one of the things I think is helpful when we think about, like, why do we even care about what we're putting in our bodies? And why mm-hmm. do I care about if I exercise? Like, because I'm not saying those are, you know, I haven't stopped doing those things. And I, and I value those things because our body is a temple. And, and it truly does when we are, you know, practicing in a way, you know, better choices, things that are whole, we feel better and we act better and we're more aligned with, you know, God's purposes for us. Um, but the ones I think when I, whenever I go self-talking, there's, you know, it's, I'm not good enough. It's not great. I just think about Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And so even our body is a form of sacrificing to him. And so it's not about me. And um, that that has been so helpful, <laughs> like over my journey to recognize, like, it's not about me. No one's looking at my body and thinking mm-hmm. like, oh gosh, if she was just this, then, then we'd love her better, you know? And, and certainly God isn't. And he's just mm-hmm. like, what is she doing? How is she using her, her body to serve, to love others, to draw them, to um, glorify God more, you know? And so just thinking about it that way, shifts the focus off of me um mm-hmm. and onto man how is it serving um the god who created it um there's that uh, the idea of galatians 2 20 that um when christ you know when we've accepted christ it's no longer i who live in this body but it's christ living in me um that also man that's just when i when i find myself 
jumping the bandwagon back on to like, oh man, I've been, I, and it's so subconscious for me. Like I don't even realize it's happening. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I've been really like focused on this aspect, this body, this piece. And I'm like, nope, this is Christ in me and my body living out um, his purposes. And so if that's what it's good for, that that's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really nothing else matters. And so that, um, that scripture, um, yeah, those, those three or four scriptures um, are good. The other scripture, and this, is, this one might seem a little bit like um, left field, but it kind of goes back to like, this is all... It even fasting, it kind of comes back down to what are our desires and what are we reaching for when, you know, our desires aren't being met and how are we reaching towards God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this may seem a little bit off, off course, but um, James 1, it talks about, you know, God doesn't tempt anybody, but it's our desires and our desires that lead us to entice us and then enticing these two sin. And so our desires inherently and our longings for beauty, our longings for even control in a sense, longings for, maybe I'll use the word security, um, Mm -hmm. longings to be um, seen as good. All of those are God-given. Like all of those Mm -hmm. are part of the way he created us. Um, But when we place it in wrong categories, it does lead to Mm -hmm. sin. It does lead to um, even patterns of behavior that we're like, how did I get here? How did I like get in this pattern? You know, but Mm -hmm. if we trace it back to our longings and trying to fill them in our own way. That's typically what we come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you move into this relationship with food or if fasting brings up things that maybe you didn't even realize were there, um, again, it's all, there's so much grace and there's so much goodness in that because it only makes us depend on God more. Um, mm-hmm. And so if there's desires, exposure, longings that you can try to fill without really knowing it um, through food or body image, this is just another way he wants to draw you deeper um, into getting that from him and into depending on him more. Um, so that might seem like a weird caveat, but I feel like that's really where the good, the good work happens. Um, and Hebrews 4.12, you know, that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Um, so even though it feels trivial sometimes to talk about body image or food, because we all want to pretend like we have it together, like God mm. does care and um, he wants to meet us in our weaknesses. Um, so, and yeah, make us strong. Thank you. That's great. Um, something that I think I should have asked or said earlier too is obviously we're both women up here. Um, and I think stereotypically we think about eating disorders or body image as a woman problem, but it's really not. So this is for everyone in here because everyone has a body. So <laughs> I want to throw that out there. Um, and often men can struggle even more silently. Mm-hmm. So um, that being said, when we are all starting to practice in the spring, I love that you mentioned planning and making a plan because I, because that is important for combating anything that we're practicing in terms of holiness. We know that um, if we're going to be practicing holiness, we're going to be tempted. And that... Um, so... What are some practical things that we could do to practice seeing our bodies the way God sees them? Yeah. Yeah. One of the first things that comes to mind is don't focus on the food, <laughs> which is ironic. But, you know, it's so like my number one rule on this, especially if I'm working with somebody who has restriction um, issues, struggle, is to not focus on food, you know, and, and even in almost any category, it's you know, if we take the, the weight and the, oh my gosh, what is this good? Is this bad? Like you mm. know, that sort of thinking out of it, then 
that's like that's like taking a layer of shame that nobody needs um, mm. off. So it's like you know, number one, trying to focus on food. Number two, um, it's it's almost a different thing. It's almost the same thing. But mindful eating is a is a funny term. That's more of like a you know, I don't know, therapist term. Mindful eating, um, but it really does help us connect. Um, our cravings and our desires and like there's and if a lot of treatment or a lot of help especially for overeating is is keeping a food journal and connecting the dots between um why you know why am i reaching for this why am i reaching for that and a lot of times it comes down to you know frustrating i want to feel i want chips like i need comfort i really want ice cream you know mm-hmm. so mindful eating and figuring out like am i really you know hungry and going for this food i'm actually hungry or am i going for it because I have this emotion and I need it to either stop and stop feeling it or I want to like press into it and make myself feel, you know, whatever about mm-hmm. it. And so um, just being mindful of uh, if, it, if it feels like a place where I'm like, I, should, I can work on that. Just being mindful um, of things. And if you're mindful of it and you speak in, you still want that piece of cake, like no <laughs> shame, you know, yeah. but it shouldn't control us without us knowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even mindful and being self-aware on that flip side, if we are, um, wanting to, you know, cut back or eat more healthy or do, you know, be receptive or whatever. We we're just paying attention to the desire. Is the desire because we want to honor God with mm. our body and our choices or a desire or something about promoting or making me feel better because I feel more control. I feel like I'm presenting the version of myself to the world that I want them to see. Um, and so really it's just what are the, what are the motives of my heart mm-hmm. that does take a mindfulness um, that, I don't think I have time for most of the time or, you know, I don't want to have to think about most of the time. But if I really let myself do that, again, I grow in more dependence on the Lord and I grow in more everyday, almost surrenders. You know, I think we're mm-hmm. talking about, I mean, you can have freedom in this. And so I like to say I had a capital V victory. Like there was a moment and there was a day and I can tell you the story mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm done with it. Like it's not controlling me anymore. However, there have been many, many little mm-hmm. victories of battling and surrendering and daily surrender um, mm-hmm. to his will for my body and my relationship to food and not my own. Mm. That's great. Um, so this is the last question. And this is just if, could you give us, again, this is just one counselor's opinion or, you know, but if we, if this is something that um, we're thinking to ourselves, I need to look more into that, or I have another question about this, you know, this topic or how this relates to fasting here. What are some general resources or places you would direct yeah. us? Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I have no resources. <laughs> but, I do, you know, I think it just highlights the fact that we, as a church and a, and a culture, don't necessarily talk about it in a way that mm. feels, you know, normal you know or feels right or good and and i will i will say that most of the resources again they kind of have a feminine undertaking you know um but i'm like good men go read it (laughs) yeah um you know praying god's word by beth moore i think is instrumental in connecting um our emotions and our underlying desires with scripture and so if there's a sense that you're like i find i figured out what my desires are belonging or whatever but i don't know what to do with it whenever Hmm. i get there um this just uh, there's already scripture laid out for you almost to, to apply you know like felt rejected at work today my boss treated <laughs> me bad and i want to go like feel better you know well what yeah. do you do with that rejection if it's not mm-hmm. that you know if you're taking out something that you you're 
you're trying to do better with what, what are you going to replace it with? And so I already have your scripture laid out. Um, I think it's super helpful uh, that Beth Moore did that work for us. Um, <laughs> I also just, you know, again, there's a book called Captivating. Um, John and Stacey Eldridge wrote it. And so for, for women, I think that really pieced together for me how the body connects with the mind and the soul. And so just kind of embracing pieces of our hearts, allowing to heal certain things that I needed to heal to see my body in a good way. Mm. Um, and that it could be, you know, what was captivating about me wasn't what I look like. Um, it, mm. was, it was Christ in me. Um, and so, you know, the men version of that is wild at heart. And I, you know, again, might not feel like it's related to food or body at all. However, so much of this is, it's a heart thing. It's a, it's a heart motive. And so I can imagine that could be a cool thing for men too. Um, but overall, talk to someone, you know, because whether or not they're an expert or not, they probably understand, they probably have thoughts. But again, there's so much shame almost even in bringing it up that it keeps us from doing it a lot. And so um, I would just encourage anyone to, to bring someone else in with you. Um, and if there, if it seems like there's a level that you're like, yeah, this really has been something, you know, maybe I need to talk to someone who has a little bit more knowledge then um, I would say, do it. <laughs> talk, talk to someone you trust, get a good name of someone that you trust and try mm-hmm. and, um, and tackle it head on uh, because God, again, God wants you to have victory in it. So, yeah, that's great. That's all the questions I have for you. <laughs> and we really appreciate you and your time. And we're encouraged by, I'm encouraged by you all that you are here to listen to that and think through that. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to how that will look for the next couple months. So I don't know how to end it. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want more information about our church, please visit us online at mosaicnox.org.